You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life. We're checking in with Todd Nettleton of Voice of the Martyrs to see, put our eye on to the persecuted church and see what is happening. Todd, it's great to chat with you. Welcome back. Thanks so much. Good morning. Hey, good morning to you. Hey, uh, you know, as we go through and um, enter into this Christmas season, our heart is really focused on the coming Messiah, and it says that the Messiah came for all, and that means that all around the world, every single individual, Christ died upon the cross for that person. But some of these people are in persecuted locations where it is even illegal to acknowledge the salvation story, to acknowledge the messiahship of Jesus Christ, and sometimes often even to say the name Jesus is considered blasphemous. And that is really kind of the lens that we're looking through here this season as we look toward uh, Christmas and the coming Messiah. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that Voice of the Martyrs has going on. But those people, those individuals, you're saying that there are three more that we need to be praying for in the area of Eritrea. Tell us what's happening over there. Yeah, just a little bit of background first. Uh, Eritrea, it was actually 20 years ago this year, 2002, uh, the government went to the evangelical church leaders in Eritrea and said, we're closing your churches. Uh, Literally, they went on a Tuesday, I believe it was, and said, you're not having services this Sunday. You're closed. Uh, And so churches immediately had to adjust to, okay, We can't put a sign on our door. We can't have open services on Sunday. Uh, They moved into underground mode. And so that was 2002. Now, there were four religious groups that were allowed to continue with public services. One was Islam, so Muslims were allowed to meet, Lutherans, Catholics, and Ethiopian Orthodox. Uh, This, in the last month, there have been three now Catholic bishops who have been arrested. Now, remember, Catholics are allowed to have meetings. They are legal in Eritrea, uh, but this is another sign of the government saying, okay, even though we said you're legal— we still can arrest you. We still want to control what's going on. The estimates right now are that there are a couple hundred Christians in prison in Eritrea, and none of them charged with a crime. None of them has ever had a trial. They don't have a prison sentence where they know, okay, you know, I've got two more years. Oh, I've got two more months until I get out. They just get arrested. They diss the prison system there in Eritrea, and then they come out maybe months or years later. Uh, I was there a couple years after they closed down the churches. Some of the people that I met on that trip have been arrested since then. Uh, at least one of them, one pastor, w- has been in prison more than 18 years now. And, and again, no trial, no no sentence. He doesn't know how long he's going to be there. Uh, so as I think about these three who were arrested last month, I think, oh, You know, they don't know. They're in that situation of not knowing. Are we going to be here a month? Are we going to be here a week? Are we going to be here 18 years? Uh, That kind of unknowing, I think, would drive me crazy. Uh, And so as we pray for our brothers and sisters in Eritrea, I think that's one of the things we can pray for is just the peace of God to say, hey, today God is with me. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. Today God is with me. Well, this is certainly a struggle to understand, and like you said, I I believe equally it would drive me absolutely mad not knowing, right? The the constant um, 
darkness in your mind of just when will this end and never having an answer or any idea of what that outcome looks like. But what this also raises is a question about the tactics and the motives, because now, you know, evangelical churches were the ones who were ceased the operations, but yet you had Orthodox, Ethiopian, Lutheran, Islam, and Roman Catholic. And now these are Roman Catholic bishops. What is that kind of signal about maybe the turn of event toward persecution of even those who were selected as being allowed to publicly worship? You know, that is a great question, and I think it certainly means the government wants control. Uh, Isaias Efuerque, the president of Eritrea, spent some of his formative years in communist China. He was raised up and kind of educated in that communist distrust of all religion. Uh, And so I think that is part of this. The, The Catholic Church in Eritrea has at times spoken out against the government, against the oppression of religious minorities there. Uh, That the Orthodox Church is the same way. The the Orthodox Patriarch was arrested at one point and held for a number of years in prison. It's like, wait a minute, this is the Patriarch of one of the church that you say is legal. What, why is he in prison? Uh, The issue is control. And I think the government certainly distrusts religion. The war next door in Ethiopia, the war that Eritrean troops have gone across the border and been involved in, I think that has sort of heightened the need for the government to feel in control and feel like, hey, you know, nothing's going on that we don't approve, that we don't know about. Uh, So I think that may play into this as well. Uh, But it's a great question. It's like, wait a minute, we're legal. We're, We're allowed to be here. Why are you arresting us? It's very, very concerning when you see that type of a thing happen. And maybe it's just signaling, right? They could be doing this as a stand or a show of power and, you know, kind of that reminder of fear. But regardless, it doesn't change the fact that there are three more additional people who are behind bars with an unknown future in Eritrea, and we need to be praying for them. Well, uh, Todd, you had mentioned uh, some other areas. Eric, where are we headed to next? Todd, there's been uh, protests in China. Can you tell us a little bit about those and what that could mean? Yeah, this this is pretty amazing because, uh, you know, just a month ago we had the Communist Party Congress. We had Xi Jinping being established as kind of the the ruler for life, the, the contract for life to be in charge of China. And everything of that whole part of China, that, that whole show really was – Look how stable things are. Look how strong Xi Jinping is. Look how much control he has. And now here we are a month later, and you have thousands of people taking to the streets in multiple cities saying, we don't like Xi Jinping. We don't like the way the government is acting. We don't like being locked in our homes when anyone in our city has COVID. We want out. We want more freedom. And so... It was interesting because for about two nights, the government kind of stood back and let these protests go. And then you saw police in the streets and and hundreds and thousands of police in the streets. You saw barricades go up. You saw the government say, "Okay, we're done. We're not going to have any more of these protests. Uh, The interesting thing about this is how much of this is beneath the surface of the, the distrust 
and the dissatisfaction with the government of China and what difference could that make in, in the months and years to come? Obviously, for for us as Voice of the Martyrs, for us as Christians, one of our concerns is our brothers and sisters. There are pastors in prison right now in China. Could there be something that would lead to a change that would allow more religious freedom? Boy, I pray that that is true. Uh, but again, there's just the amazing transition from look how powerful Xi Jinping is to look at thousands of people marching in the streets is pretty eye-opening. It's, you know, when we see that media coverage of what is going on there, it's just unfathomable to think of the fact that what we're being able to be shown is just a small portion, a very tiny window that we get to view into communist China of what is happening. But if that's any indication uh, in just that small view, right, we're looking through a very small peephole at what is happening in these areas, and we can see just what this crisis really is behind uh behind that that communist control of their media message yeah and the level of control is another thing that you see in this that you've had everyone in china right now has a, a covid app and the covid app is green and the or red if you're not allowed to go anywhere it's red if you're allowed to go places it's green and you literally have to show that when you enter a building when you enter a store when you get on a train look my i'm green it's good i can go uh, the the government has turned some of the protesters red <laughs> not not because they have covid because the government didn't want them to be able to move around and, and yeah. so when you think about that in your mind and you think about uh, okay one person in this apartment building of of 2000 people had covid tested positive so we're going to lock the doors and all 2000 of those people have to stay in their apartments until we say they can come out. And that, that might be a month from now. That might be two months from now. Um, you think about that level of control, and it's no wonder that people are rising up and saying, wait a minute, that we're not interested in that. We don't want to live that way. Uh, yeah. But that is also that also affects Christians. You know, if they can tell that you're gathering together at a protest, they can also tell that you're gathering together at a house church service. And they could do some of the same tactics to close down a Christian gathering as they're doing to close down the protest. Um, so it's something for us to certainly pay attention to and pray for our brothers and sisters in China. Well, one of the terrifying things about that is that they're using this, uh, you know, the the basis of this social credit system against these protesters to stand out and suppress their uh, their message and speaking out against the government. And you know, we've talked about this for quite a while now about the social credit system and how everybody is under the watchful eye, and and we see this now manifest where we've got a, a it's an indicator on your phone now can you move about freely um it's just remarkable the the lengths to which they seem to go in order to control the people of china it it is remarkable and uh two things i i often think about china and having had the chance to visit there a couple of times if you have a problem in China, there is no amount of manpower that is out of reach to throw at that problem. So, when we, I mean, you've got a billion plus people. If you want to control people, if you want to monitor their social media feeds, you can hire, you know, a, a million people to do that. Yeah. There, there is no limit to manpower. And the Communist Party will will go to any length to control people to monitor what they're doing. And so it is it's really a scary system when you think about you know, 
you wake up the tomorrow morning and the code on your phone is red instead of green and suddenly you're locked in your house you can't go anywhere yeah uh, and it's it's not through anything you did it's because the government didn't want you to go anywhere that that that's what changed it yeah so it's it's pretty frightening to think about oh it's very frightening and it is just uh honestly i think you know the very tip of that iceberg as far as that control and what we can see take place in different countries and parts around the world um as as that somewhat i don't want to use the word acceptable but as that is instituted uh and there is a an assessment of effectiveness of control over people, you know that there are others in the world who would want that very same thing and implement those very same things in their own countries. Absolutely. And the Chinese government would be happy to sell them the technology to do that. (laughs) To do that. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's turn our attention over to the Voice of the Martyrs website. You can always find information there at persecution.com. And right now, if you link over and you follow that, uh, you're going to see Sharing Christmas. Share Christmas with our persecuted Christian family members. You can actually sponsor Christmas packs right now and bless members of the persecuted Christian family around the world with a Christmas care pack. Tell us a little bit about this program, Todd. Well, as you mentioned, it is right at the top of the page at persecution.com, and each Christmas care pack, you can sponsor one for $35. It is a it is packed in a backpack, so they have a backpack then to take their stuff back and forth to school. It includes some clothing items. It includes some hygiene items. It includes a toy. It includes some school supplies, you know, pens, pencils, that kind of thing. The most important thing that's in the pack, though, is an illustrated children's Bible in the appropriate language for that child. And for, you know, probably 98% plus of these children, this is the first time that they will have had their own Bible. Uh, and we have heard so many stories of these kids. They are thrilled with the backpack. They're thrilled with the toy, but they are really thrilled with the Bible. And often they will turn around and read it to their parents. They'll read it to friends that live close to them. And so this becomes a little evangelism tool for that child as well. So again, they're only $35. It's a great thing to do for Christmas. We actually have the opportunity also, if, if you have someone on your Christmas list who already has everything, what could you get them? Uh, You could sponsor a Christmas care pack in their honor, in their name. We will actually send them a card and let them know that you did that. Um, So again, persecution.com, and right now it's just right at the top of the page. It's a remarkable thing to think of, the the fact that you can put a Bible in that child's native language uh, into their hands. You know, I just got to share this with you. Last evening I had come home, uh, and it must have been about 8.30 or so, and my older son was was just getting ready um, to, to kind of wind down. He's been exhausted from his school week and everything. And uh, he was there sitting on the couch, and he's reading his Psalms and Proverbs, right? And he's got his little Psalms and Proverb book in his hand, and he's doing that. And then to think that we have access to God's Word, no ma- I mean, in 30 seconds, I can reach anywhere pretty much around me, almost at any time of day, and have access to God's Word. And that is not the case in any of these other countries, really outside of Western uh, civilization. It's just that important that a child has access 
to God's Word, and the fact that you include that in these Bible packs, uh, in these backpacks, that there is a Bible in that kid's native language that they can understand is probably, as you said, you know, the, not only just the most important thing, but the most precious thing that anybody could ever put into that kid's hands. That is so true. And and the other part of this is these are kids who are growing up in places where Christians are persecuted. So yeah. putting God's word into their mind and into their heart is also a preparation for the day when persecution comes to their doorstep and, and prepares them spiritually, prepares them mentally to go through that. So it's a way of strengthening the church of tomorrow and the church who will face persecution in these places. Yeah. Oh, just so, so vitally important. And I see it there. It's the Illustrated Bible. It's a great-looking Bible, and we have a, we have an English version of that in our house, too. We do. And, uh, and so I, I just applaud this. I want to encourage people. Uh, it is $35 to, to sponsor one of these Christmas care packs. Um, go and check it out. It's at Voice of the Martyrs. You can see it right there. Just link to that Christmas, uh, to share Christmas with a member of our persecuted Christian family. And it's a tremendous blessing that you can give to someone else somewhere around the world. They may not know you, they may not be able to uh, thank you personally, but you know that the Lord has seen what you have done. You can also uh, sign up for the free magazine. I just want to encourage people to do that when they go over to Voice of the Martyrs at persecution.com. But also, Todd, on Sunday evenings, everybody here tunes in, waiting with bated breath every single week for 8.30 to hear Voice of the Martyrs Radio. What's coming up this weekend? We are going to meet a couple, Garth and Caroline. They are serving with YWAM in Cambodia. In fact, they lead YWAM's work for the whole country of Cambodia. Part of that is training workers to go into some of the surrounding restricted nations, go into Vietnam, go into Laos, uh, go into Burma. And so uh, they will talk about that. They will talk about their work and, and what God is doing in Southeast Asia. Well, that's fantastic. That's coming up 8.30 every Sunday evening right here on Moody Radio, Indiana. You can tune into VOM Radio, Voice of the Martyrs Radio. You can find out more at vomradio.net, or if you, uh, you've got it on your phone, stream it if you're not near the radio on the Moody Radio app. Uh, but you can tune in right here on Moody Radio, Indiana, every Sunday evening at 8.30 to catch Voice of the Martyrs Radio. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life.